0: All right, guys. So it's fall again, and I know we're just a few months away from Creogs. Nick, I'm always looking for places to find good information to make sure that my residents have good information for their exams. And also, you know, I continue to refresh my knowledge of OBGYN.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you're already listening to what I'll say, in my humble opinion, is the best podcast in OBGYN. But we also (laughs) have some great other resources available through the resident core curriculum with our friends at the OBG project.
0: Definitely. The nice thing about the OBG project is that not only do they have the resident core, they have an OBG L&D ebook and other things like the second trimester ultrasound atlas, all of which you can access for free as a resident if you sign up.
1: Head over to our website creagservercoffee.com. Check out the sidebar and again, get the OBG project and all their resources free for all 4 years of residency. Just again, head over to our website, kriegsovercoffee.com, and get signed up.
0: All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is
1: Kriegs over, over Coffee. coffee.
0: So guys, we are coming back to you guys with our third biostatistics talk today. If you remember, our last couple were very long ago. But today we're going to talk about some statistical analyses, or as I like to title this, what test do I use again for this data? Um, So Nick, what are our learning objectives for today?
1: Yeah, so first we're going to review some different types of studies that we can perform. Um, We'll talk about different methods of statistical analyses. As Faye said, what test do I do and why do I do it? And then finally, we'll look to understand how to apply these different statistical tests to different kinds of data. Um, And check out the website. We'll have links back to those episodes that Faye mentioned, some of our very, very first on biostatistics we talk about those CREOG-CRAM subjects of sensitivity and specificity and um, all of the two-by-two tables, if you will. But let's start off first, Faye, with just kind of a quick review, I guess, of different study types and things we can do.
0: Yeah, and before we even dive into that, I think we first have to establish some definitions. So um, before we can talk about studies, we have to talk about two definitions. So the first is exposure or your intervention, and then the second is your outcome. So that first term, exposure or intervention, is the risk factor whose effect is being studied. And it's often also referred to as like the independent or the predictor variable. And then the outcome is something that develops as a consequence of exposure or intervention and is often something that we're measuring. And so this is also usually referred to as the predicted or dependent variable or variables. And then when we think about, you know, types of studies, you know, that we think about two categories. So the first is um, retrospective studies and the second is prospective studies. So retrospective studies just means that the outcome or the dependent variable and likely the independent variables have already occurred. So you have that data already. And then a prospective study really means that the outcomes or the dependent variable or even independent variables have not yet been measured. All right, Nick, talk to me about another category of uh, of different uh, different, uh, studies.
1: Yeah, so we'll break these kind of into two broad categories as well and then some subcategories within them. So first, we'll break down between descriptive studies and analytical studies. Descriptive studies, as the name implies, are when you're really just trying to describe data on one or more characteristics of a group of individuals. So these studies don't necessarily try to answer a question or establish some sort of relationship between variables, but they can give us an idea of where to get questions from, if you will. So some of the studies that fall into this descriptive category include things like case reports, case series, and cross-sectional studies. All right, and then kind of the analytical studies as the other categories are those where we attempt to test a hypothesis and establish causal relationships between variables. And there are two kind of subcategories within this of observational studies and experimental studies. Observational studies are where you're observing. A researcher is just documenting naturally occurring relationships between exposures and outcomes. So you can think about things like case control studies, where first you're determining that an outcome is present of interest. So cases of lung cancer versus cases where there's no lung cancer is one. And then you trace back the presence of prior exposure to a risk factor. So maybe tobacco use in that case. So again, you start with the outcome of interest and you're looking backwards to determine those risk factors. Cohort studies are the other group where you kind of do the opposite. First you determine a bunch of risk factors and then you look forward, if you will, to determine whether the outcome occurs at a future time point. So again, they're they're similar to each other, but you're kind of looking in different directions. Where case control, you have an an outcome and you're looking backwards for those exposures. In cohort studies, you have maybe a giant group of exposures and you're looking forward for an outcome. Experimental is the other broad category of analytical studies, and this is probably you know the things that Faye and I have talked about the most on the podcast as um, sort of the gold standard of research, if you will, where you're actively performing an intervention or some or all members of a group, um, so things like randomized controlled trials, right? Only experimental studies can establish a true causal relationship because you're basically forcing that causal relationship. You have a medication, and either it does something or it doesn't do something. Observational studies like those case control and cohort studies can show a correlation in something, but not necessarily establish a cause. So you really need an experimental type of study to be able to determine causation. Finally, um, I think one important thing to mention is that it you can have both retrospective and prospective observational studies, right? So, no, you can either, again, if we think about sort of the classic definition of case control versus cohort, start with an outcome and look backwards, or with a cohort study, you can start with a bunch of risk factors and look forward. Probably the most classic example of a prospective cohort study in obstetrics and gynecology is something like the Women's Health Initiative, or WHI study, where kind of you were starting with a whole bunch of people, you had some kind of interest outcomes, and you were looking forward at a whole bunch of different potential causes, or I shouldn't say causes, a whole bunch of different exposures to see what might happen going forward. Yep. Um... All right. So now that we've done that review, Faye, let's kind of talk about some pros and cons of different studies um, and why you might want to do observational studies if, as we mentioned, only experimental studies can establish that causal relationship.
0: Yeah, I feel like a lot of people have this question of like, well, then why do we even do these observational studies? So there's definitely pros to your cohort studies and your case control studies. So pros for a cohort study is that you can be certain of temporality. So you can be sure of when something happened and then when the second thing happened. You can also study more than one outcome for a given exposure, and you can evaluate more than one exposure in the same cohort. And then you can also determine that relative risk of an outcome for a given exposure. A case control study on the other hand, um, you can have pros where you can match your cases, right? So that could potentially reduce confounding um, bias. You need a smaller sample overall potentially they're cheaper. You can look at multiple exposures for outcomes. And then case control studies are really good for those rare diseases because it's often hard to figure out who's going to get these rare diseases if they happen one in you know a million cases. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there are cons for these cohort studies and case control studies. So specifically for cohort studies, the cons is that you may need to have a very long follow-up, which is not always feasible if you're doing a prospective cohort study. And there can, of course, be confounding variables. In case control studies, again, the cons are that sometimes it's hard to select those appropriate controls to make sure that you're trying to reduce as much bias as possible. There's always the possibility of recall bias. And of course, you really can't determine a relative risk, but you can calculate an odds ratio. Now, for experimental studies, the pros are, as we said before, you can establish that causal relationship. And if you're randomizing patients in your experimental studies or subjects, then this can likely get rid of many of the confounding variables that we get concerned about with other types of studies. And then you can also look at exposure and outcome in a more isolated fashion and kind of uh, reduce some of the noise, so to speak. The cons to experimental studies are that, of course, they can be expensive. It can be really difficult to recruit depending on what you're trying to look for. And then some disease and outcomes really can't be ethically evaluated with experimental studies. Um, And, of course, some can just take a very long time. And I will say that, you know, if you can't remember what an odds ratio is or a relative risk is, go back and listen to our second episode on biostatistics where we go into that in detail. All right, Nick, so all of this that we just did was review. So the next step really is, let's say, you know, you got your study, you've collected your data, how do I analyze it?
1: <laughs> all right, so we're going to try to go through a really, a superb but at first glance scary chart. Um, and Faye, we have to shout out a mentor and hero to the both of us, Dr. Rebecca Ham, who's over at Penn, um, yep. who came up with this and is like a foolproof way of going through what data you have and figuring out what thing to look at or how to test the data that you have. Um, We're not going to be able to describe how each test is done. That's way too much information. We're baby statisticians at best. And so (laughs) um, I think it might be beyond our purview. But I think that this hopefully will be something where we can kind of at least put the basic questions out there um, Mm -hmm. for you to look towards and say, aha, this is what I should look at or not look at. So again, check out the website for the flowchart, but let's kind of go through it ourselves, Faye. So Mm -hmm. the first question in the flowchart is what type of data do you have? And there can be two categories that you go down, either continuous data or categorical data. So with continuous data, these are things that, again, Move along a continuum. So, age, body mass index, weight. Again, you don't really have necessarily a cutoff of lower end or cutoff of upper end. I mean, in theory, you might, but you have a lot of choices along the way, right? 232 pounds versus 233 pounds versus 234 pounds, like one by one by one. That one, you're going to have to move on to the next question in the flow chart. So, we'll just leave that there for now. But the other type of data you might have that's very common are categorical data. So this is, again, as the name implies, data that is lumped into a number of discrete categories. So for instance, you might have gender, and in a lot of kind of studies, you may have just a handful of choices for gender. Yes, no is another type of categorization, right? A yes or a no answer to a survey question, for instance. Or with, you know, Fetal monitoring, you might have tracings that are category 1, 2, or 3 at a particular point. And so those also fall into categorical variables. If you have categorical data, you can use something called a chi-square test. In the simplest terms, a chi-square or Pearson's chi-square test is going to determine if there's a statistically significant difference between the expected frequencies and the observed frequencies in one or more categories of a contingency table. In your contingency table, if you have any category with five or fewer observations, so meaning five or fewer data points, then you're going to have to use something called a Fisher's exact test, which is a very similar test in principle, um, but is one that adjust for the uncertainty of just a limited number of observations Mm -hmm. all right so I don't know if I did a good job with that Faye but at least we know chi-square test and probably most of us who took a statistics course at some point that at least rings some bell or clears off some dust in our brains Um, (laughs) but let's go back we said continuous variables we have to go on to a different question so where do we go if we have continuous data
0: Yeah, so then we have to ask ourselves a second question, which is if you have a continuous variable, do you have what are called parametric or non-parametric data? So what does that mean? So parametric data basically means that you have to have three specific items that you have to meet. So the first is you have to have independent, unbiased samples. We'll go back to what that means. The second is the data has to be normally distributed. And the third is that you have to have equal variances. So what does that mean in terms of the breakdown of each? So the first to have independent unbiased samples, independence in statistics terms really means that the occurrence of one thing, so you know, the occurrence of one of your data points is not affected or does not affect the probability of the occurrence of another thing, if that makes sense. Like rolling a dice, it doesn't matter how many times you roll the dice, the chance that you get the th- ones facing dice is always going to be the same. The second is that the data is normally distributed. And I think, you know, we all have in our minds that like normal distribution kind of curve, the bell curve that we see. Um, and the way that you figure this out, the easiest way really is to just go ahead and put your data into a histogram and look, does it look normal, right? Um, It's kind of easy sometimes when you put that into the histogram and you're like, nope, that's definitely not a normal distribution. And you can kind of go on and say that this is non-parametric data. Now, the harder way is that if the data looks maybe it's it's parametric, maybe it looks normally distributed, then you actually have to do certain statistical tests of skewness um, that we won't really describe here, but these can definitely help you as well. The last thing that this uh, that parametric data has to be is it has to have equal variances. So basically variance is a statistical measurement of the spread between the numbers in a data set or how far each number in the set is from the average or the mean. And the square root of the variance is something that we probably all heard about, which is standard deviation. Um, so equal variance means that in order for us to consider data parametric, we have to assume that the variance is the same for both populations that we're comparing. All right, Nick, so Now let's move on to our third question because there is a little third branch here.
1: Yeah, so again, Faye described sort of this assumption of parametrically distributed data. Um, So now if you have that continuous variable and you have parametric data, you have to think about the type of question that you're asking. And this broadly breaks down into one, do you want to know about relationships between variables? Or two, do you wanna know about differences between the means of your groups? And so let's kinda go into those two broad questions. So first, if you wanna know about relationships, so again, does variable x Affect variable y? Is there a relationship between those two things in some way, form, or fashion? You can use something called a regression analysis. So, for example, you probably have seen in papers or maybe even played with yourself something called a linear regression, where there is actually a linear relationship where you can draw out a like y equals mx plus b type of ratio that kind of seventh grade's geometry or something, whatever that was, comes yeah. back into your mind, a slope of a line, right, that shows the relationship between X and Y. Now, of course, it doesn't have to be a linear value. It could be something else. It could be a curving or exponential relationship with like a quadratic formula or something like that. And so there are other ways to do regression analyses that adjust for multiple variables um, or adjust kind of along different things that are non-linear. So again, if you have a true independent variable, you can use that regression analysis. If you don't really have a true independent variable, you do something different called a correlation analysis. And this is where your parametric and non-parametric data is going to matter. Um, If it's parametric, you do something called the Pearson's R test, which R is a degree or a measurement of correlation, which again, if you've taken statistics in the past, you might remember. And if it's non-parametric data, there's a similar test called the Spearman's Rank Correlation. Again, we won't go super in depth for these, but again, you're trying to basically know if you wanting to know about relationships, you need to do some sort of either A, regression analysis if there's a true independent variable, or B, if there's not a true independent variable you need to do a correlation analysis. Now the other question or the other thing you might think about um, is whether you have differences between the means of your groups. So does group A, differ from group B in some way based on this continuous data. So for instance, does the study population have a different BMI than the control population, if you will, right? So those two different groups. How many treatment groups do you have, first of all? So in that example, I kind of gave two categories, right? Treatment and non-treatment. So if the data is parametric, you can use something called the student's t-test, which can be a paired or unpaired test. And if it's non-parametric, then you use a similar test called Mann-Whitney-U or the Wilcoxon Rank Sum Test. Again, we won't go into a lot of details about how those tests are done today, but the student's t-test is probably one that you've used before if you've been around statistics. If you have more than two groups, so say, for instance, you have in obstetrics land a control group, a 17-OHP group, and a vaginal progesterone (laughs) group, right? Um, Yep. More than two groups... You're going to kind of change your tests up because the students' t test man whitney u Wilcoxon Lecoxon-Rank-Sum are built around the idea that you only have two groups. So if you have parametric data with more than two groups, you're going to use something called an ANOVA test, A-N-O-V-A. And if it's non-parametric, there's something called the kruskal wallace test that you'll use. All right. Um, We're kind of pushing the limits of our statistical brains here, Faye. Um, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) But let's kind of jump into a little bit of more complicated stuff further down this flow sheet.
0: Sure. So the very last thing – it's kind of complicated and, it you know, it's totally fine if you want to give this to your statisticians to do. But the question always comes up with, well, what if you want to control for certain things? So for example, let's say you notice that when you're comparing the frequency of chorea ammunitis between patients that have PPROM versus those who have advanced cervical dilation, that those with advanced cervical dilation are more likely to present earlier in gestation. So how do you control for gestational age at ad admission for this type of test, for example? So this is where regression comes into play. And so, again, this is very simplified. For continuous variables, you would use a linear regression, and you can add in variables that you want to control for. And then for um, for categorical outcomes, you can use a logistic regression, which adds in the variables that you want to control for, and then gives you kind of like an odds ratio of something happening. All right. So that was really complicated stuff. So just make sure you go onto your ROSH review and do some practice questions and things like that. And we'll actually have some here. So I think that we can talk these through, Nick, and also like kind of help our listeners a little bit to kind of figure out what tests to apply. All right. So I'll do the first one um, because it's the easiest. So let's say you have a question that you want to answer, which is what is the frequency of repeat hypertensive disease of pregnancy in patients who took baby aspirin versus those who didn't take baby aspirin? So what test do we use? So the first question I guess you'll ha- I-, I want you to ask is, is this a categorical or continuous variable that you're looking for? Yes or no, uh, repeat hypertensive of disease. Categorical or continuous?
1: Oh, you're asking me. Um, <laughs> I am
0: asking you. <laughs> so I
1: think that because we have yes or no here, this is a categorical variable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So hypertensive disease is a yes or no in this case. So uh, based on our flow chart, what, does that, what test should we be using?
1: So, with categorical variables, we'll want to use chi square.
0: Absolutely. So, that was pretty easy, right?
1: Yeah, at least that was a start. Um, I'm going to give you the harder question, Faye. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, good. let's take an example here where we ha- want to know the gestational age at which patients with a short cervix get delivered or deliver ultimately if they have a cerclage versus those that don't have a cerclage. So in this question, we want to know gestational age at delivery between these two groups. So is that a categorical variable or a continuous variable?
0: That's a continuous variable because you could deliver, I guess, any time between whenever you get your circlage until 40 plus weeks, right?
1: Exactly. So yeah, again, since we're looking for gestational age as the outcome of interest, that's a continuous variable we're looking at. Okay, so now let's think about Would you think gestational age at delivery will give us a parametric data set? There's a couple of kind of questions that we should ask in the middle of this, right? And you walked us through that earlier. So the first question is, is gestational age at delivery an independent variable?
0: Uh, I would think yes, because hopefully the gestational age at which one person delivers does not affect the gestational age at which another person delivers in the data set.
1: (laughs) I would agree with that assessment. Yes. Each observation should be independent from the other observation, unless there is some crazy neural network of preterm birth that we don't know about. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So the next question I guess we should say is, do you think that the gestational age of delivery is going to be normally distributed?
0: Yeah, I I think, you know, off the cuff, I'm going to say no, because just giving this, just like thinking about this, most people will probably deliver right around 39 to 40 weeks. And then there's probably like a long skewed tail of those that deliver really early, like 24 weeks or something.
1: So yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, Again, that's hard to say since we don't really have a data set in front of us. At the same time, um, it's probably reasonable to assume that, yes, we're going to have kind of some sort of skew to this. Ultimately, we have a continuous non-parametric set of data since we failed that second assumption of parametric data. Remember, the final assumption that we would have to ask if this was normally distributed, it was, is there equal variance amongst the population? Mm -hmm. So again, and I think that'd be hard to say, but we failed the test of a parametricness, if you will. So this is a continuous non-parametric set of data. We've answered that. So finally, um, again, coming back to our original question, gestational age at delivery um, at which patients with a short cervix are delivered with cerclage versus no cerclage, do we want to know a relationship or a difference of means?
0: Yeah. So it sounds like we want to know a difference of means, right? The average gestational age at which someone delivers if they got a cerclage versus the average gestational age that someone delivers if they don't get a cerclage with their short cervix.
1: Totally. So, um, again, kind of if we go back to our flow chart here and say, okay, so now we know that we're looking for a difference of means. In this case, given that we have uh, two categories of Circlage, no Circlage, we would be using a Wilcoxon rank sum test for this particular type of data. All right. That was kind of a complicated one, but you did awesome with that, Faye. You're, you're a statistical <laughs> <Thanks>. whiz.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know if my, my statisticians uh, over here at Penn would call me that, Nick, at all. <laughs> um, all right. Why don't we
1: go through one more example?
0: One more example, and then we're going to leave the listeners to kind of like figure this out on their own. Okay. So let's say you're trying to ask a question. Is there a difference in admission hemoglobin between patients who received iron supplementation during pregnancy versus those who did not receive iron supplementation during pregnancy? So uh, again, uh, let's go through our questions. So the first question is, is hemoglobin, which is the outcome that we want to measure, is this going to be a continuous or a categorical variable?
1: So hemoglobin is definitely a continuous variable for sure.
0: Yep. So now that we know that it's continuous, we go to, on to our second question. So is hemoglobin a parametric data set?
1: So again, we have those three questions about kind of hemoglobin. One, is it independent? And I would say yes, hemoglobin in one person doesn't influence hemoglobin in another person. Um, then the second question is, is it normal? Um so again, probably in pregnancy, hemoglobin is probably pretty close to normally distributed, right? Yeah. Like most people arriving around set, like anecdotal experience in like the 10 to 11 range, depending on sure, where you test sure. it. Um, so maybe for this, we just assume that this is normally distributed. Um, And then likely there's equal variance on each side. Some people have better hemoglobins than others. Some people have worse hemoglobins than others. And there's probably equal space in between those. So I'm going to go ahead and say for our purposes that, yes, this is a parametric data set.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, again, we don't have a data set in front of us, but I think that's very reasonable to assume in our pretend data set. So then that leads us to our last question, which is do we want to know a relationship or a difference of means?
1: So coming back to that original question, we want to know if there's a difference in the admission hemoglobin between patients who had iron versus those who didn't have iron. So here with those two categories, iron or no iron, and we want to know a difference in the admission hemoglobin, that would be a difference of means.
0: Yeah. So then what do you feel like is the best test that we should use here?
1: This one, if I kind of use Dr. Ham's handy dandy flow chart, looks like we're going to be using a student's T-test.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, I hope that this was helpful for everybody to kind of go through those examples and go through this um, for all of those people who are out there looking at their data sets, wondering what to do. Um, So let's go ahead and quickly summarize, Nick, and talk about uh, these things really quickly one more time.
1: Sure. So we started off with a lot of definitions today. So remember we talked about exposure, which is a risk factor whose effect is being studied, and outcomes are something that develops as a consequence of the exposure or intervention. Um, exposures are typically independent or predictor variables and outcomes are predicted are typically, predicted or dependent variables. We then talked about retrospective versus prospective studies, so looking backwards versus looking forwards, and then we discussed kind of the Differences between descriptive studies like case reports, case series, cross-sectional studies, and analytical studies, which can be broken down into observational studies like case controls and cohort studies, and experimental studies, which you think of as the randomized control trial. You can have both retrospective and prospective observational studies, but experimental studies are always prospective.
0: We'll skip over the pros and cons of each of these types of studies and kind of jump right into our common statistical tests. So basically, when we talked about this test, we used our flowchart that you can follow along with on the website, but there are three questions that we want to first ask ourselves. So the first question is, what type of data do we have? Second question, if you have a continuous variable, do you have parametric or non-parametric data? And the third question is, if you have a continuous variable, what type of question are you asking? So again, we went through this where you have a continuous variable, you go to the next few questions, but with a categorical variable, you can use a chi-square test. We then have our second question of parametric versus non-parametric data and very quickly being parametric just means that you have to establish three principles meaning independence, the data is normally distributed, and have equal variances. And then the very last question is if you have a continuous variable what type of question are you asking? And if you want to know about relationships then again Depending on if you have a parametric versus non-parametric data, you would use a Pearson's R test for parametric data versus a Spearman's rank correlation for non-parametric data. But if you want to know difference of means, again, you want to ask yourself parametric versus non-parametric. So if you have a parametric data with just with two things that you're comparing, then you can use the student's t-test. And if it's not parametric, you would use the U or the Wilcoxon rank sum test. But if you have more than two things that you're comparing, um, then you can use the ANOVA test if you have parametric data or a kruskal Wallace test if non-parametric.
1: Um, again, this is kind of some complicated stuff with respect to Creogs and then also as you're going through probably doing resident research projects and other things, make sure that you're using kind of a question bank, something like Roche Review, um, to do some practice questions to kind of look through this and decide what questions am I needing to answer to get to what study I need to do or what statistical analysis I need to do. Um, practice with this a lot, particularly around the time of CREOG's because, again, this is the only way to really knock this down. And then, again, one more time as a plug, check out the website for Dr. Ham's awesome flowchart for helping you pick a commonly used statistical test.
0: All right, guys. So this brings us to the end of this episode. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been CREOG's Over Coffee.
1: So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, and give us a five-star rating and review.
0: You can find us on social media, on Twitter at CriagsRiverCoff1, on Facebook and Instagram at River Coffee, and you can find us on our Patreon if you want to donate to the show at www.patreon.com slash CriagsRiverCoffee.
1: You can find show notes for this episode, as well as all of our previous episodes, that awesome flowchart from Dr. Ham, and our Rosh Review Question of the Week on the website kreogsovercoffee.com.
0: And if you want to uh, ask us about more statistics questions, again, we are not statisticians, or you have some uh, suggestions for future episodes, go ahead and email us at kreogsovercoffee at gmail.com.